0: Today's episode of the Hop4 podcast is proudly sponsored by Charles Farram. Charles Farram have been hop factors and merchants since 1865 and hop growers for even longer than that. While importing a vast catalogue of international hops, they have also developed their own varieties through their hop development programme, set up to create wildly different aromas and flavours, whilst also working closely with growers to produce varieties with good yields and disease resistance. Every year, a new class of plants are set off on their journey, involving disease assessments, aroma assessments, and plot brewing trials to get from 10,000 individual variety seedlings to one super successful variety for commercial release. The Farums Family range brings to you Archer, Emperor, Godiva, Harlequin, Jester, Most, Mystic, Olicana and Opus. They stock nitrogen flushed leaf hops, T90 pellets and T45 pellets and to ensure their hops remain in optimum condition they have state-of-the-art cold stores at their sites in Worcestershire, UK and in Yakima, USA with their Yakima site being a staging point for quality checks and the safe journey of US hops to the UK. Charles Farham are fully committed to providing quality hops to customers at home and around the globe through their well-hopped quality program. And did you know they also supply yeast, malt, fruit purees and other brewing products? Get one delivery and one invoice. The range and product specifications can be found on their website charlesfarham.co.uk. If you'd like more information or expert advice on the different uses, applications and recipes, one of their technical advisors will be really happy to help. Visit charlesfarram.co.uk, That's charlesfarram.co.uk for more details and to connect with one of their team. This week's episode is also sponsored by Lalaman Brewing. Lal Brew Nova Lager is an innovative new hybrid lager yeast strain from Lalaman Brewing, belonging to the newly created Group 3 Lager Yeast category. Nova Lager exhibits increased temperature tolerance for faster and more forgiving fermentations. Produced using a non GMO yeast breeding technique, Lalbrew Nova Lager incorporates a patented technology which prevents the creation of hydrogen sulfide, which can lead to sulfurous off flavours in the final beer. Additionally, Lalbrew Nova Lager produces a reduced level of diacetyl, allowing for shortened storage times post fermentation. Visit LalamanBrewing.com and get in touch with your local representative for more details. Lalaman Brewing, we brew with you. I'm Nick Law, and you're listening to the Hop Forward podcast, getting you ahead in the brewing and beer business. Hop Forward is a show entirely dedicated to the craft beer industry, featuring interviews, discussions, and stories from the whole supply chain from grain to glass. So grab yourself a beer and get ready to hop forward in the brewing and beer business. Hello, beer buddies, and welcome to another sesh on the Hot 4 podcast. This session comes the night after me being out on a session. So if I sound a little jaded or a bit garbled, then you'll know why. That's because last night I attended the 46th annual Steel City Beer and Cider Festival, in arguably the greatest city on planet Earth, the biggest little village known to the human race, the mighty city of Sheffield. In part, I went just in case one of my two beers won the champion beer of Sheffield. And spoiler alert, they didn't. But you can go try them. If they're there this weekend, and you can make me feel like a champion by giving them a really good review on Untapped. So look out for Emmanuel's West Coast IPA, the KPG, the kingdom, the power, the glory, and a cask version, rebrew, of my British hopped IPA, which was done in fellowship with Charles Farham called England's Green and Pleasant Land. So if you're at the Steel City Beer and Cider Festival this weekend, and you listen to this podcast fresher than a double dry hopped IPA, then go try those. The other reason I went was to take in the delights of Sheffield's beer scene and to hang out with some amazing people who make up that scene. Brewers, sales staff, bar owners and beer geeks alike. There are some wonderful, wonderful human beings who are part of the industry in some way, shape or form in Sheffield. If you're fortunate enough to live in a densely populated metropolitan area, chances are you'll have a thriving beer scene or at least a beer scene. Obvious choices for beer tourism are London, with its famed Bermondsey Beer Mile, or Manchester, home to some of the finest British breweries you'll ever encounter. That's high praise there from a Sheffield lad, that is. However, there are pockets in this country, I feel, that unfairly get overlooked. One of which is the city of Liverpool. Perhaps not an obvious choice of destination for beer. The city, obviously famed for one of, well, if not the most famous pop group in modern history, Atomican. (laughs) Lol. (laughs) Liverpool has some great breweries, one of which is Top Rope Brewing. I bet you didn't see that coming, did you? I hadn't really come across too many of their beers until earlier this year when I attended Ciba BeerX, the biggest UK brewing trade show regularly hosted at the Liverpool Exhibition Centre. Now here's a little top tip for you. The best time to score free beer at that event is right at the end during the awards when all the exhibitors are packing down their stalls. Given that no one wants to take a fridge full of cans back to the office with them, they are more than happy to offload them to cheapskates like me. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I do buy beer, honestly, I do. Um, But, you know, after you've had a few, you do the rounds, you know, you can get some good train beers, which is what I did. One such company was so popular on account of their beautiful, shiny brew kit that they ran out of beer pretty quickly and therefore had to source some beers from local breweries, Top Rope being one of them, which is how I was introduced to the brewery. I'm telling you, having had a two-day session, which made last night's endeavour look like afternoon tea with Mr Tumble, my train beer from Liverpool back to Sheffield to ease me back down to planet Earth was, wait for it, a big, juicy double IPA from the brewery that loved putting hops into a headlock. Inspired by their mutual love of pro wrestling, founders Neil and Ben met at a home brewing club six years ago and haven't looked back since. From crafting small batches on a 100-litre kit in the garden shed, their five-barrel brewery now resides in Bootle, north of Liverpool's city centre, and they are gearing up to celebrate their sixth birthday. I invited Neil to come onto the podcast, not only to share about their journey and about Liverpool's beer scene, But also to discuss some of the challenges that many, if not all, brewers in the UK are facing at the moment. Raw materials and cleaning agent prices are going through the roof. Energy prices are off the chart and sales are becoming increasingly difficult to make as many bars and pubs are shutting their doors indefinitely. It seems like every time I go on social media, there's another announcement about a pub or a bar, a bottle shop, or even a brewery closing shop. If you work in the industry, I'm sure you're all too painfully aware of this. While I certainly don't want to be doom and gloom, tough times do lay ahead for brewers. And it's something that we're going to be chatting about a bit more on the podcast in the weeks ahead to help navigate through this very turbulent, tricky, and somewhat fragile season. So we chat about all that. And about all kinds of other jazz, including which wrestlers they'd love to do a collab with and how they're going to celebrate their birthday. So do grab a beer and a glass. And before we hop in, let me take a moment to tell you a little bit about the good folk who sponsor this podcast. This show is only made possible by our supplier sponsors who support this podcast on a regular basis and offer support and insights to all our listeners within the craft beer industry, whatever your need. Today's episode of the HOP4 podcast is proudly sponsored by Charles Farram. Charles Farram have been hop factors and merchants since 1865 and hop growers for even longer than that. While importing a vast catalogue of international hops, they have also developed their own varieties through their hop development programme, set up to create wildly different aromas and flavours, whilst also working closely with growers to produce varieties with good yields and disease resistance. Every year a new class of plants are set off on their journey involving disease assessments, aroma assessments and plot brewing trials to get from 10,000 individual variety seedlings to one super successful variety for commercial release. The Farams Family range brings to you Archer, Emperor, the Diver, Harlequin, Jester, Moss, Mystic, Olicana and Opus. They stock nitrogen flushed leaf hops, T90 pellets and T45 pellets, and to ensure their hops remain in optimum condition, they have state-of-the-art cold stores at their sites in Worcestershire, UK and in Yakima, USA, with their Yakima site being a staging point for quality checks and the safe journey of US hops to the UK. Charles Farham are fully committed to providing quality hops to customers at home and around the globe through their well-hopped quality program. And did you know they also supply yeast, malt, fruit purees and other brewing products? Get one delivery and one invoice. The range and product specifications can be found on their website CharlesFarrow.co.uk. If you'd like more information or expert advice on the different uses, applications and recipes, one of their technical advisors will be really happy to help. Visit charlesfarren.co.uk. That's charlesfarren.co.uk for more details and to connect with one of their team. This week's episode is also sponsored by Lalaman Brewing. Lal Brew Nova Lager is an innovative new hybrid lager yeast strain from Lalaman Brewing. Belonging to the newly created Group 3 lager yeast category, Nova Lager exhibits increased temperature tolerance for faster and more forgiving fermentations. Produced using a non-GMO yeast breeding technique, Lalbrew Nova Lager incorporates a patented technology which prevents the creation of hydrogen sulfide which can lead to sulfurous off flavors in the final beer. Additionally, Lal Brew Nova Lager produces a reduced level of diacetyl, allowing for shortened storage times post-fermentation. Visit lalamanbrewing.com and get in touch with your local representative for more details. Lalaman Brewing, we brew with you. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. You can find out more about Hot Forward and the work we do within the industry at our website hotforward.beer or follow us on social media at Beers. And if you really wanted to go the extra mile, you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify with what you think about this podcast. For now, let's crack open this week's discussion. This week on the show, I'm joined by Neil Rothwell, co-founder of Top Rope Brewing. Hello.
1: Hello there. How are you doing? Not too bad. Yes, it's been a it's been an interesting couple of weeks, but you know. Nice and busy, to say the least, which is all we can hope for at this point in time.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, firstly, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and Top Rope Brewing, how you got into the brewing industry and a bit about the brewery?
1: Absolutely. Um, So yeah, Top Rope, we are um, officially turning six years old uh, next month on on the start of November. Uh, We're doing a lot of really, really crazy stuff during that particular month, which I'm sure we'll go into a bit more detail later on. Um, but no, was founded by myself and a uh, my friend, Ben Jackson. Uh, we started the company literally six years ago. Uh, we were both homebrewers, um, as the vast majority of small brewers, small brewery owners are these days. Mm. Um, so we met at a homebrew club in Brewdog in Liverpool. Found that we were the two guys who were staying after the events, kept drinking, kept chatting, and we always ended up talking about wrestling, um, something that we both grew up loving. Fell out of a little bit when we were a bit older, and then got back into it in sort of in our kind of you know mid mid twenties ish. So we had that big, that big connection on the go there. So we, we you know, kind of kept, became friends over that. Started doing uh, home brews together in his parents' kitchens and did all that for ages. Uh, entered a few homebrew competitions, as everybody does. Won a few of them, got a little bit big-headed and went, oh, actually, this is, we can do this. And I mean, you know, some of the beers we were drinking at beer festivals and we realised, you know, we thought our beer was better than their beer. So we kind of went, can we, can we do this? Is this going to be an actual thing? Um, got his parents drunk one night um, and convinced them it was a good idea to let us destroy their back garden, building a shed. <laughs> so we spent the um, the summer of 2016 literally destroying the back garden, taking up all of the uh, the planters, digging a massive trench so we could get plumbing and, re- and wiring fitted into it. And then ended up with this um, shed in the back garden where we built our first brewery. It was a 100-litre kit. Uh, so brewing, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure that most people who are, Listen to this podcast, know how big that is, but you know, a couple of kegs of beer and about sort of 24 to 48 bottles of beer each brew. Um, I did that for a year or so, you know, mostly just it going around Liverpool selling to all the pubs that we've been drinking in for a long time. Um, and then it sort of took off a bit more. And we kind of we were brewing two kegs a week, then we were brewing four kegs a week, but I was selling eight kegs a week. And so we kind of went, Oh, this has become a little bit serious and actually a thing. Uh, so I left my job working in an office, um, started taking up bar work, so I could do daytimes working in the, working for the brewery and evenings pulling pints. Um, and then after a year, we bought a kit in North Wales. Um, there was a company called Diva Craft Beer. Uh, they've still got a bar based in the in city centre in city centre of Chester, so you can still go down and you know and see those guys. But we we bought their kit off them bought all their company because they were selling up. So we went from brewing hundred litres of beer at a time to brewing a thousand litres of beer at a time, which is a- Terrifying job when you first yeah. go to it. It was. um I've been
0: there. <laughs> yes,
1: yeah, it's, it's you know all all hell and terrifying at the start, but um, then yeah, we did that for three years, and um, we were down in the in the brewery in Wales for three years. Um After that three years, obviously that was in the middle of everything else that happened recently. Uh, but the lease on that on that unit was up, and we were like, well, there's no point of staying in North Wales when we're all living in Liverpool. So we found the site where we currently are, um, moved into that. Uh, two years, well, we actually signed at least two years ago in in November I and mean, we moved in in January. It'll be two years in January that we've been there now, um, where we've been able to expand. We've managed to increase capacity. We've managed to open a tap room. We've started doing events. We've had live music. We've done pub quizzes. We've had all kinds of, you know, weird and wonderful stuff take place in the, uh, the place where we are now.
0: Happy days. So, whereabouts in Liverpool do you say you were?
1: Uh, we're in Bootham, so we're kind of north of the city. Um, but for anybody who's travelling in, we're about sort of a ten-minute train right away from the city centre. Right. Okay. Um, so it's, it's it's a place that's still accessible, but you know, for anybody who, again, people who are in a big city centre, you're aware that trying to rent space in the city centre is either a next to impossible because it doesn't exist, or b it's astronomically priced. Um, so we went for somewhere that was still easily accessible, but also not going to break the bank every time we try to open the front door.
0: Yep. I want to talk a little bit about the. Liverpool beer scene but we'll we'll put pin in that and come back to it um, but first can you tell us where the name Top Rope Brewing came from?
1: Um, it was one of Ben's ideas um, it, I, I'm not sure, I'm sure what, how he came up with it or where it popped in from but it just seemed he, he said it it just seemed to make sense because um, it's the top rope of the ring um, you know obviously when we started up we just did it as, a, as an extended hobby and it felt like it, felt like it was taking a big risk and obviously, anybody who does big, big wrestling moves off the top rope of the ring—it's always a high-risk, high reward situation. <laughs> um, so it just kind of, it just kind of fitted and made sense that we were taking this big jump and trying something different and new. So it, it felt like we were taking a jump off the top rope, and every big thing that we do, whether it be moving site, whether it be expanding the brewery, whether it be doing twelve percent imperial stout with you know Emperor's Brewery—all these big, stupid things—they always feel like uh, like a big risk when you're taking them. But then you look back and you go, "Oh no, they're actually like," I'd say about ninety. 7% of them have paid off. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> you know, occasionally, occasionally, you've had a bit of a stumble or a fall, but most of them have come off and they tend to be high-risk, high-reward situations.
0: Well, that's, that's a good return to say that most of them have paid off. You know, yes. it'd be a bit disconcerting if, like, there was only a few that paid off. And uh, <laughs> yes. um, I, I am quite interested with the, the whole wrestling thing um, and your passion for wrestling. Like, if you could do a collab with any wrestler, past or present, who, who would it be, and what beer style would you brew together?
1: Uh, my personal favorite is always Mick Foley. Um, I absolutely love that man in every way, shape, and form. He's an incredible human being. Um, we, we have done a, we have done a few beers and kind of in tribute to him. Um, mm. I think I'd probably have to go with something like a like a really evil West Coast Dipper or Tipper, oh, just yeah. because he is such a hardcore individual. The way that he lived his life um, up there would be incredible, um, or on a more sort of on a more current theme, the one I'd love to do, there is a wrestler um called Session Moth Martina. She's a you know, she's an in, independent wrestler. Uh, she has wrestled for like, to Ring of Honor and for uh, AEW, uh, Irish-based lass, and she's absolutely amazing in the ring. Um, and her whole gimmick is that she's always on the Sesh. Uh, she's from the flats and everything. So you know, she, she's, a big, she's a big fan of drinking and stuff. So it'd be it'd be really cool to, to get to work with her a bit and be able to you know, do a beer for her. And also something that's really important is also to try to promote females within the wrestling industry. Um, Because, you know, for many years it's been a very low-key thing or it was done in a very, very bad way, whereas nowadays the the female wrestling scene is so big and so impressive uh, that it's something that, again, needs to be shouted from the rooftops so people realise that there are these incredible females who are doing this incredible job in that industry.
0: Yeah. Have you ever done any collabs with any wrestlers?
1: Um, Not with wrestlers directly. We've done a couple of events. Right. Um, earlier this year, we had Scotty Too Hottie who was in the brewery for a meet, for an evening with, and we also had Dilo Brown as well. Um, right. So we've done a couple of events with that. We have met a few wrestlers in the past um, through friends of friends. We've met a few a few of the big guys. Um, but yeah, it, it's something that will be will be interesting to get involved with uh, and get them down for it at some point in time. It's just trying to organise independent wrestlers when they're just up and down the country, or in and up the country. In fact, going across the continent constantly trying to pin somebody down can be can be very difficult to do. Yeah. Them.
0: Totally. And talk to us about the Liverpool beer scene. I mean, I always feel that Liverpool doesn't get the mentions as much as other places like Bristol or Manchester or London, mm. even though it's a very cultural city with a great vibe. And despite Ciba Beer X being hosted there for the last few years. I mean, what, what's happening in Liverpool at the moment when it comes to to beer?
1: Um, I mean, it's still a fantastic city to go to. Um, you know, the fact that we've got... The way that the beer scene's erupted over the past few years, since we've started up, you know, you've got a number of breweries that have held even a number of breweries that have been founded from homebrew clubs. You've got us, you've got Neptune Brewery, you've got Chapter. They were all founded from roughly the same homebrew club within Liverpool. Uh, beyond that, you've got the likes of you've got Carnival have opened up. You've got obviously Black Lodge and Love Lane who have been around for you know since the dawn of the dawn of the beer scene. Then you've got. Um, like, so, you know, we've got Aspects opened up yep. um, last year as well, who are, you know, they're pushing out all that really juicy hype stuff, which is incredible. Um, so the the actual beer scene itself has has exploded massively. Um, but in terms of, I, I personally, I find that in terms of a pub scene, it can be a bit sort of tricky and sticky because it's, Liverpool's a very old city. Yep. And it acts very old in the way that, you know, when you go out with your grandparents and you've got to drag them kicking the screen to do something different and new. Liverpool's a little bit like that. At times it doesn't necessarily accept change in the, in the best of ways. Mm. Uh, so I mean, you mean you have you have got the likes of obviously like Dead Crafty Dead Crafty Beer Company who are pushing that that massive imperial beer scene, uh, bringing all of the all of the American stuff over and showing you know how beer is done in other parts of the world. But then you've got more traditional places like the Grapes on Roscoe Head and you've got uh, Denby Castle um, and you've got the Bridewell, who are some of, in my opinion, some of the best cast bars in the world in or in the UK. Sorry, um, I mean. Literally, you, you can go in there and it doesn't matter what's on you, can be guaranteed to get one of the absolute best pints of cask you'll, you'll come across. And of course, it's in the north. So there's always going to be sparklers galore. Yay! <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um so it is it is getting bigger and it is getting better. Um, but there's there's still a lot of room for improvement, I find. Um, and that comes down to not necessarily the individuals involved in the bars and the bars that are opening, but it also comes down a lot to the, the Liverpool Council isn't particularly well known for its love of the city centre or for small independent businesses. And mm. it's, you know, they can put rents up out the, of out the blue, they can put all the, all the different prices up, so it becomes very difficult for, for small independent businesses to maintain themselves and to look after themselves. So it, it's, it, it's very tricky to do that kind of thing, but it's still an incredible place to, to come drinking without question.
0: Yeah, I mean, I love it when I go um, to BeerX. First time I ever went to Liverpool was because BeerX was there. Yeah, and I was just like, "What an incredible place this is!" You know, I, I, it's just it's great. So, I mean, but I can also see with like you were saying with the the beer uh, thing, it kind of sounds like it's where Sheffield was when I first started working in a microbrewery at Sheffield Brewery Company. This is in 2016. Mm. You know where. Every, there was a lot of, like, really good cast pubs, but there were very few, like, quote-unquote craft beer bars, yeah. you know, and um, Sheffield's not like that now. There's loads of, like, kind of craft, quote-unquote, keg-led places. Mm. Um, but from what you just described, yeah, it totally sounds like it is where we were, so to speak.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, I've, I've I've been around Sheffield a few times recently. We've we worked we work with the guys from Heist a couple of times, done a few beers Yeah, there. yeah, totally. Um, and I've been, I've been around there multiple times. Um, and because I've mentioned that as well, Ben somewhere is pricking up because he always, he always likes to mention that he went to university in Sheffield. So that's his second city. And, you know, when, when unfortunately the Calam Island news came out recently, he did Shedda's here for them. Um, I mean, obviously great news to see that they are coming back, which is fantastic. Um, but no, it's it, Sheffield has got like, it, when I was walking around trying to find places to go and drink, I literally sat there and went, oh, I've got all these places. And then one of my friends went, oh, have you been to here? I was like, holy shit. But, Apologies if not I'm it or not yeah, um, but obviously no like the list is just endless and Liverpool has that but there's a lot of places that are opening Liverpool that tend to be like locals like little local places that are outside the city centre um, that, that, you know, that they're great to go to uh, for me personally I love going to them because it means I don't have to travel to the city centre and deal with all that kind of stuff if I want to go for a quiet drink but for anybody who's coming into the city, you know, as I'm sure you know, when you're traveling to another city, the last thing you want to do is try and find a bus that takes you 20 minutes outside <laughs> yeah, to yeah. where you are to go to this amazing little place. So it can be a, a little bit of a sticking point. So th- they say that there's there is a lot of room for development, a lot of room for improvement. Um, but it's yeah, it's, it's a city that needs to kick up the ass, to be honest with you. So
0: yeah, I know when I went the last time I went, I didn't end up in Dead Crafty like the time before, but I ended up in Bundabust. Yes, and um, you know, I, I mean, that is just such an incredible, oh, <laughs> incredible yeah. venue. I mean, obviously, great beer, but the food is just insane.
1: Yeah, there's nothing worse than going to Bundabuss. Going, I'll, I'll just go for a quick pint and then go. Oh, hang <laughs> on a second, how much bundo jack and I fit in my face at once.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. The last time I was in Manchester, actually, um, at Bev Expo, I am. Um, I made a point of going for my tea because it was kind of like I've got kids and stuff, so it's I don't get out as much as I'd like to, and. Um, I, I kind of made a point of going for my tea at like quarter past five to bundle <laughs> bus. Sat there like literally, it was just like me and a couple of other people on one of the table. Just mm. sat there and just like just give me the awkward fries. They you know hook them to my beans.
1: Yeah, awkward <laughs> fries rather than and bundle chat. That's it. Absolutely,
0: totally. So, I mean, w- one of the things. Uh, well, there's quite a few things I want to ask, but um, it, and the, they're all going to kind of tie into a, a, a theme and I'm not trying to be too down at the moment, but it's about the challenges of running a brewery in autumn 2022. Yeah. And given the state of things at the moment, pretty much with everything, like Mm -hmm. how how are you finding the brewing industry at the moment?
1: Um, I mean, it's it's a tricky one, really, because I know that the situation that we're in, we're a lot more fortunate than a lot of people in the way that our kit size isn't massive. We've got... Uh, we've essentially we've got six tanks one's a 10 barrel and five a five barrel so we're not actually necessarily putting a vast quantity of money or a vast quantity of energy into any particular brew so it's not like you know i know some brewers who are sitting there with 10 20 30 30 barrel plants and they're having to push out you know hundreds upon hundreds of kegs each week to get it going where mm-hmm. we are very very fortunate in that respect that you know Again, I, I always sound like a bit. I feel like a, I feel like I'm bragging about this kind of stuff when I'm talking about it, and I know I'm not because I'm just literally trying to explain how it is. At the moment, we are having a decent turnaround. The kind of beers that we're putting out there, um, they are you know they're going out. They've been well received, and we're not sitting on vast quantities of stock. So, from our standpoint, we're not doing horrendously, but it's kind of because we have sort of built our business in that respect, so we know that we aren't going to be sat there with. 300 kegs sitting in a cold store that are going to be you know freezing us up and halting our cash flow kind of a situation um so we have built you know a few safeguards in respect of that um and then obviously the other thing we've got is us turning six next month um which is when i say uh, as ben has learned now that november is not his month anymore he's not allowed to see his partner anymore i don't see my partner (laughs) anymore. we just go all hell, hell and crazy like this year we've got we're actually going to visit all four corners of the aisles this, this next month, and we're doing two collabs and I think it's nine tap takeovers in a month. Nice. Two of us. Um, so you know we, we focus quite heavily on that as well because I like that. I like it as an excuse to celebrate. You know to say that it has been six years. It's been six years of hard graft, and you know I'd, I'd be damned if anybody tells me I'm not allowed to celebrate that kind of a thing. Um, and it gives, an, it gives an excuse to go out. And also the main thing I like doing is getting to go and visit bars that I would never normally go to. So it's all these bars that buy beer offers throughout the course of the year. But as much as I can send them an email or I can, you know, give them a thanks over over a phone call or something, it's not quite the same as getting to actually go down to these venues and see how they're doing and actually mm-hmm. get to spend some time with the owners, with the bar staff, get to thank them for all the hard work they do, pushing our stuff as well. Um, so I like it to travel around and do all that kind of thing. So stuff like that always makes me makes me very happy, and it makes me realise that as much as the industry does get you know quite level, quite heavily shit upon most of the time, and everyone is struggling. I'm aware of that. I like to be able to do my bit and try and give personal thanks to people and make sure that they know that everything that they do for us is massively appreciated all year round.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those relationships you have with bar owners or bottle shop owners or whoever it is, you know, that takes your beer from a, a business level, you know, although obviously they're not making beer, they're, they're selling it in yeah some way, shape, or form. And usually they're just as passionate about beer as you are as a brewer, you know. And I I know personally when I, not that I'm making, I, I've gone full circle from being homebrew size to, yeah, t- 10 barrel back to like, hundred liters. <laughs> yeah. so I'm not making much at all, but you know, it's, it's when you do go out and you, you meet those people that are, are selling your beer for you, you know, they've got such a passion so often for, mm. for what they're doing and for beer styles and stuff, you know, and it's, it's, um, yeah, I, I totally get that. Like it's, it's great when you get to nerd out with other people that are essentially beer nerds.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, I, I kind of, I, I see them almost as an extension of the brewery themselves because, especially a lot of the places that we sell to are like the small little venues. Mm. And so the people that run those kind of venues, they know their locals, they know their regulars, they know what kind of beers work and what beers don't work. So they know that, you know, oh yeah, that they can buy five kegs of an IPA and they'll sell it straight away. Or they'll buy the one keg of sour beer that two regulars are like, and then they'll push it on the rest of them and they'll get to know it. But it's then when you get those individuals excited about a certain keg, that they know probably wouldn't sell particularly well with their regulars but they buy it because they want to try it off you and they're able to push it which i see as being an extension of the you know the brewery sales team because they're the ones who are interacting with the end customer you know we have a web shop and we do bits and pieces over that but it's the people who are in the bars who have that end result and the end conversation with the with the consumers when they're actually physically drinking it there they're, they're what they what's very very important to the industry and without them then I'm just going to sit there with i say I've loads of cakes in there that yeah. i can't do anything with
0: Absolutely. I'm quite curious off the back of that then. So when it comes to like deciding what you're going to brew, let's reframe this question. How do you weigh up, give the people what the people want, which is mostly hazy IPAs or some kind of pale hoppy beer versus, you know, let's like brew the stuff we want, which for a lot of brewers in our position tends to be like crazy styles, you know, sours, imperial stouts, whatever. Mm. Like, how do you balance all that up, you know, the commercial aspect versus the creative aspects?
1: Mm. Um, I mean, well, for a start off, if it's if it's you're going for a brewer's stamp, but you missed off one very important style there, and that's just a lager. Oh, rookie, era, oh my god, give me a crispy <laughs> lager, that's all I want in life. I don't know,
0: like, I've I, like, I I mean, normally I'd say the same, but like, having gone for Oktoberfest, where I guess in years gone by, it's kind of like I felt a bit depleted with Oktoberfest in the UK, you know, so it's like, yeah, just give me the largest. Whereas this year, everyone's jumped on the Oktoberfest bandwagon. So at first it was like, "Yay, give me the, give me the Steins.
1: Now it's like, yeah,
0: oh, I'm a bit tired of fest beers.
1: I can't say much. I, I, I spent the um, a weekend in September in Berlin. So, oh, uh, live with the dream, uh, mate. Live with the dream. <laughs> it, it was Berlin and three nights of Frank Turner punk rock music. So I was a very, very happy little bunny that weekend. Um, but though in terms of in terms of brewing schedules and how we sort of dictate what we what we produce, uh we've actually been quite lucky in that our biggest selling beer that we've ended up sort of generating by accident is an ice cream pale ale. That's our biggest selling beer. Right. Wow. Um yeah, it's it's nuts how that's happened, um, which means that we do actually have a lot of fun with that because as much as we have the vanilla version which goes out really really well because it's ice cream if we think of any random ass flavor we want to do with it we'll make it into a beer so in the past we've done lemon cheesecake key lime pie we've done chocolate fudge cake for last year's birthday cake we've done Victoria sponge we've done raspberry ripple mango ripple um, we t- we've got a pumpkin pie one that's going out for spooky season this year oh, nice. that's going out which I'm very excited about because it tastes it, it just tastes like autumn it's ridiculous um, and then for this year's birthday cake, we've done a red velvet. Oh, mate. So, yeah, we've I did it only because of the fact that I was able to, there's an, an absolutely incredible um, vegan bakery in Liverpool called Cake Hole that we work with, and they were able to supply us with um, four of these absolutely incredible red velvet vegan cakes, which we're able to obviously just mash up and throw into the mash up. So it's actually got red velvet cake in it? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm a Ron Seal brewer. It does look something I love it. <laughs> so we, we made sure we made sure to get um, get the, the, the red velvet cake in the mash for itself, so they are a part of it. And to be honest with you, they've actually drained off, and a load of the colour came out of the cake into oh. the beer. It's really, really interesting. How can I get hold of this beer? It sounds amazing. <laughs> um, I may have a couple of kegs of it left, um, but it, it is going nationwide on the uh, on the beer tour with us. Um, but it's also really interesting from a brew perspective because what we've essentially brewed is a traditional red ale that's been fermented with a New England yeast. <laughs>
0: Wow, that that is just sounds more interesting, and makes me <laughs> want to drink it more.
1: <laughs> so how, yeah. how
0: uh, do, do, let, let's just go with that for a minute. Like, how how does yeah. that taste? Like, how how I mean, because th- those two things, the red ales. I mean, I love red ales. They are one of my favorite beer styles, and there aren't enough brewers out there who brew brew them. And if you're listening to this podcast, you need to brew more. Imperial not red it, yeah. ale Imperial red ale's as well. But like
1: we right, would so, to brew them, but no one can sell, we can't sell them. That's the problem.
0: Well, this is the problem I had. I used to brew a red rye IPA. And
1: why am I not drinking it now? That's like if you put Simcoe into that, that is my perfect beer.
0: It had Nelson Savan and Simcoe in it.
1: It's a perfect beer. Congratulations.
0: Right. It was it was incredible. if I don't say so myself, right? The people who like those beers would drink it like that's amazing. Trying to sell it, like you say, was just like impossible, yeah, particularly on cask as well. So, no thanks, like what they don't sell. It's like, but it tastes amazing, you know, (laughs)
1: work harder. Um, Um, but yeah, in in terms of the the, the, the red ale with the New England yeast, um, it's currently midway through firm. Um, so I'm not quite sure how it's tasting at the moment because I'm not been near the, the brew floor for a couple of days I've been doing all the all the other stuff trying to organise the event but um, it's fermenting out nicely as I say the colour of it was absolutely fantastic it had like, a little bit of um, chocolate malt chocolate pale and I think it was Munich that bent through into it as well nice So it has got that really lovely deep red colour to it mm. so anybody looking at it will be thinking why are you calling it an ice cream pale ale when it's clearly not an ice cream pale ale <laughs>
0: um,
1: but I think that the, the New England will add a really interesting depth of character to it um it all just, it's the kind of beer that will blow people's minds. Like in the way that when we when we did the chocolate fudge cake, everyone automatically assumed it was going to be a stout. And then when, they, when it got poured for them, they went, hang on a second, it's pale. And then it kind of it messes with people's heads a little bit. So I like doing that kind of stuff.
0: See, I love when that happens. You know, I remember the first time I had like Northern Monk's um, ice cream pale.
1: Oh, the Neapolitan?
0: Yeah, and I poured yes. it and I was like, Uh, because I was, again, I was expecting a stout and I poured it, I was like, what the hell is this? You know, and and I drank it. I was like, this tastes like what it says on the tin, you know, and it's, but it's not the right colour I imagined. But I, (laughs) I, you know, I, I still really like that beer, you know, and I love it when brewers do that, you know, it really throws you off. Your eyes are saying this should be this, but your palate's saying no it tastes like this and it you know it's I, I i just think it's a real skill
1: yeah it's it's good fun we we we've, we've just done it, we did another beer recently as well um there's a little a little brew pub in north wales in colwyn bay called black Oak, Yep. yeah uh, owned by max and um Mac and andy who i I just love the pieces. Andy's like a little tickle me Elmo. He just giggles at everything. I love the description. <laughs> um, but we, yeah. Yes. But we did, um, we did a, a white chocolate and strawberry pink stout. Right. Was it um, actually it
0: was, pink-colored as well?
1: It was pink, yes. I mean, it, it could have been a bit more strawberry in there to really, really amp up the pink. But yeah, it was that load, load, loads, of that into it. loads of locally roasted, lo- locally roasted um, coffee. Uh, it was done with loads of cacao nibs. It was absolutely fantastic. Little beer. Unfortunately, they're only a brew up with a 200-litre kit. So obviously, the, the beer didn't get very far. Yeah, um, But it went down an absolute storm. So yeah, it's just that kind of mindset of doing something that's a little bit different and a little bit messing with people's heads.
0: It's cage match time with this question. Like, mm. how are energy prices looking for you at the moment? And how do you think the current economic crisis and possible recession which I genuinely think is coming is going to affect microbrewers like yourself and the hospitality and retail industry that we've just discussed mm-hmm. in this country.
1: Um, currently, again, I'm, I always sound like I'm bragging about the situation, but I'm not. I'm thankfully in the third year of a three-year contract, um, so my my current energy prices are fixed until end of next year. Um, so. Very, I'm aware of just how lucky that has been for us, and I've also had a really good, um, really good uh, co- um, sort of like, contractor guy who's basically sorted us out an energy deal a couple of months ago. Mm. Uh, so when our new energy ki- anything, energy price kicks in, we've been given, we've managed to land a really, a really solid price and a really good deal as well. Which means that you know, if for whatever reason somehow prices go down, we are able to renegotiate our contract when it kicks in.
0: Right. Um,
1: so we have, we, we have been very, very lucky. I'm aware that I am in a very, very small sector of, of people who are in that situation. Um, I've seen a number of people who have, been, who have been quoted two, three, four times their rate when they're trying to get applied for it. And I think the highest rate I saw was somebody was quoted one pound fourteen. I saw pound seventeen today. £2.17? No, no, £1.17. One, one seventeen. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just... Um, it's gonna kill. Me. It's going to It's gonna kill business without question. There's no. I've, again, I've already seen at least half a dozen pubs that have just gone. We're done, and just shut up and walk away from it because they know they can't run it. Um, and that's. It's really sad because it's, it, it's people's livelihoods. It's people's. And a lot of these places tend to be in sort of more rural areas as well. So there's not many options out there. So if people are left having to go to a you know a Shakespeare instead of going to a local independent place, that's genuinely heartbreaking for me. Um, so yeah, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna kill a lot of businesses. Um, there's a lot of other things that we go into, but I'm not going to, cause we're not going to take it down the political route. Um, suffice it to say the obvious things that everyone else is already thinking about the entire situation. Um, there's a lot of things that have to be changed from a very basic situation of the energy companies do not need to make that much money. That's the simple end all fact of the entire situation. Um, they're just being incredibly greedy and grabbing money out of the pockets of people's engraves at this point in time and it's horrendous yeah. Um, so yeah no it, it's going to be an incredibly interesting couple of months well couple of years in fact because you know we are we are hitting that point now where obviously a lot of people are going to stop going out because they've got to pay for their energy bills at home um, but, you know whether or not the Christmas period will see the similar kind of thing that it normally has where people tend to save up and have one or two nights out I don't know um, it's It's just going to be an interesting watch to see how people are going to deal with it all. But then there's also on the back of that as to the pubs that do stay open, how they're going to deal with their purchasing as to whether or not they're going to be happy continuing to buy from the same breweries that they keep buying from who are having to put prices up as we have done or whether they'll opt to go for those breweries who do the race to the bottom pricing and those ones that are putting out the 55, 60 pound casks of beer that tastes like auto shite, but it's cheap stuff and they think they can get away with it. I don't know whether that's going to become, whether that's going to become fruition or, or whether or not those breweries will have to put their prices up to 70 pound a cask and whether that'll be a, a turning point. I don't know. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see how these, these little pubs sort of chop and change and, and move with the industry.
0: Yeah. It- Man, I mean, it's a million dollar question, isn't it? Mm. Um, and it, it's so hard to to foresee how it's going to play itself out. And yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm I'm trying not to get political either, which I could yes. do and have, <laughs> and have done on my podcast. Perfectly right, you know, entitled to it's my show, but yeah, um, you, you know, it's just it's awful. <laughs> you know, it's it's it, 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 I've got a, um, a friend who runs a butcher in a delis near me. He sells some beers as well, like from independent local brewers. And um, basically he can't get the, whatever this relief is the government have announced because he renewed his contract in June this yeah. year, you know, to a fixed contract. They were like, yeah, you're not eligible. Meh. So he's like, well, basically we're going to have to shut up shop. We can't yeah. afford to run it even on the, the you know, the, the rate that we've managed to negotiate, which is like 88.1p per kilowatt. And it, I mean, I know for me, like with looking to launch my own brewery and beer cafe, I put that on ice for the time being. So I'm just like, I, I can't, I'm not going to... Risk it?
1: <laughs> no, it's 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 not worth you going through that level of stress. Exactly. To, yeah, oh, just to pay what,
0: energy bills, you know, I might as well just carry. I'm doing what I'm doing, and hmm. and all the rest of it. It's, yeah. No, I, like yes,
1: I mean, as I say, the the unfortunate thing is, and it's something that shouldn't have to happen. You know, the obvious thing that I would imagine that the government would turn around and say is, oh, well, if you're going out, just have a couple, have a couple less drinks. It's like that's not the point. You no, know, I'm aware that it will be it will be beneficial if we could all go out and just have two pints. Well, let's face it, who the hell goes out and have two pints? You have two, and then you go, I have two, two. I'll have one more. I'll have another one. Have one yeah. And it's just not how, how the world works, but the fact that you know we're in a situation now where people are having to contemplate that, because mm-hmm. I think that craft beer is still going to be a part of... of the people who are, who are into the scene, it's going to be a part of their life, because it's just what you do. In, in the way that people go out and spend, you know, hundreds of pounds on a football kit every year to, to, to support their team, craft beer drinkers will happily go out and spend hundreds of pounds a year on, on beers to support their breweries that they love which is fantastic but i think people are going to become a lot more conscious about what they're drinking um, and i think i think that might that might lend a shift in the it's, it's particularly in the small package industry um, as to whether or not people will they'll, they might either go one of two ways it might either go all session so that they can afford to put out cans at a more reasonable price so they can afford to sell it or they might just go sod it let's just do everything as imperial and then, <laughs> Come on, imperial red ales <laughs> imperial red ales and imperial sours just you know you, just go down, yeah just go down that route where the justification is that you can have one can and that's a sufficient quantity for you to drink that night as to whether or not oh you know going to go to a, a shop and go and i'll just buy the one can because it is 11 pound a can but it's justified because it is an imperial one i don't know whether that's going to be a split that's going to kick into place um I, I know for us our sort of like pale ale sales in cans, they've always been terrible. It's why we've never particularly had a good range of sort of lower strength pails in cans because they they just don't shift particularly well. Um, You've got a lot of breweries that do it really well. You know, you've got obviously the Cloudwater range. I know that sells incredibly well for a lot of people. Um, So there are a lot of breweries out there that have that market share taken up. And I know that I'm not the kind of guy to take a, a wedge out of Cloudwater's pale ale sales—it's just not going to happen for me. Mm. But we've we opted and we took that decision a while ago not to try and not to try and force something that wasn't going to take place. So we we focus all of our like pale ale efforts into keg and cask where we know it shines better. We know it does a lot a lot better. And then we just kind of kept all the canned stuff for the ice creams. We kept it for the you know the big fruit beers, the sour beers, the you know the hazy IPAs, and the and the, and the, the imperial stouts because we know that's what worked well for us. Um, so whether or not you, you'll see people just kind of go, well, there's no point putting uh, a pint that would cost £4 of cask into a can and charging £5.50 for it, but people would rather just go and spend the £4 and get a pint of that on cask instead. Mm. So it'll be interesting to see whether that sort of uh, that sort of boot takes place or not.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess it comes down to knowing your target audience and mm. your target customer, you know, like, I mean, Cloudwater, I think have got quite a, a wide demographic and customer base. You know, you, you've got everyone from the, the, the super Cloudwater, hardcore, massive, you know, that will yeah. drink the barrel aged stuff and so on. And then you've got people that are just kind of like, you know, know they make a decent beer and don't know too much more they might have seen them in a supermarket or whatever you know um so uh, yeah it's definitely important to know who you're targeting i mm. think uh, with that yeah. kind of thing um j- i guess just off the back of everything you've said and we've just discussed like it, and we'll, we'll come on to your birthday stuff soon and try and end on a higher note <laughs> <laughs> um but like how ha- how would you say the beer industry and, and top rope have changed over the last six years since you launched. Like, if you were to compare now in this dystopian future, you know, where there, there are no hoverboards, I feel like I've been sold a, you know, a, I've been sold something by Back to the Future too that never happened. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, like, you know, there's no hoverboards, there's no Jaws 26, but, like, the, there is a war and pandemic and all the rest of it. If you were to compare then to now, what would you say is harder now and what would you say is easier now than it was then?
1: Um, harder now is an easy one and that's just everything
0: I laugh but it's sad it's really sad
1: Yeah, when, when we started this I was still in my you know late early 20s I'm now in my 30s so just getting up and off the couch is more tricky than it was back wait, in the
0: wait, wait I turned 40 to you wait till you turn 40 mate <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. um, I mean, I'll start with the. Obvious. I mean, the one that always springs to mind, and the one that it's, it's, I've, I've, I've kind of thought about it quite a bit recently, is an interesting one. So I remember when I first started this up, and I was working in bars. It was kind of around the point in time when cans were just coming back in, into fashion, mm-hmm. and so working in a relatively traditional style bar that I was given a bit of free reign over, so I was able to do some craft stuff. I was able to get you know a selection of craft bottles and cans in, and trying to get. Certain people to drink cans was next to impossible. They were like, no, nope, bottles are wherever it's at. It's always bottles. Bottles are far better for beer than a can. <laughs> but there's, there's no light penetration. There's no dissolved as oxygen in the cap. There's no, it's always better. You know, it's colder. It's better for the environment. But this is, you know, it, it, it was predominantly the generation that grew up drinking those crappy cans of lager in the 60s and the 70s. And so they yeah. went, no, nope, cans are absolutely awful. Whereas, obviously, nowadays, the amount of breweries that have either switched or the amount of people who just go to, you, I won't touch a bottle of beer, unless it's, unless it's you know one of the big super... Yeah, champion, yeah. Like a big, a big Vault City Sour or, you know, uh, obviously the uh, canteen kind of stuff. Nine times out of 10 people just won't go anywhere near a bottle because cans have just become the thing. So that, that's one of the, the th- one of the things I've noticed predominantly is that bottles have nearly gone away entirely. Unless you are a more traditional style brewer, which still has them in the craft scene, cans is it's just that's the only option for them. It's very difficult to do bottles. That's one thing I've noticed that's changed, which I think for the better, um, just because the can market is so much easier to deal with, it's so much nicer to have. And also, uh, again, having spent a long time, a lot of time packaging bottles and it's a living nightmare. And oh, I do not miss it in the slightest. Um, But I think in terms of what's harder is. I mean, kind of just running a business as as, as general, the, the scene has become so big and so popular and so crowded that it can be difficult to be involved, especially when someone like myself has been around it now for six years. And I'm I'm fully aware I've never like had a big splash, I've never made a big impact on the scene, I've never kind of you know jumped up. So obviously all the new, all the new brews come in and they obviously take their share of being the new breweries, you know, they get all that initial hype. Um, and it's, it's interesting seeing them develop and seeing where they come to in their first sort of six, 12, 18 months. Um, and then, you know, from being, everyone wanted to buy you, everyone wanted to buy your beer straight away to then not being a struggle, but, you know, having to actively work and make sure that the beer is constantly being sold, you know, make sure that the brand's still sort of in people's interest and people are aware of it and everything. So it's, you know, being six years old has its benefits of being a bit more established but then also people come a bit complacent behind it so you have to kind of be going look we're still here there's still beer available um so you know that's that's an interesting one to have to sort of almost fight with and grapple with on a, on a regular basis yes.
0: can I just interrupt there because I, I was going to ask another question like when it comes to selling your beers then like what what do you think for a brewery like you that's been around the block a little bit and mm-hmm. Um, you know, it isn't on that cool curve, so to speak. What do you think the biggest challenges are then when it comes to gaining new customers? Both, well, I guess in particular, business to business customers, um, but obviously, you know, business to consumer customers as well, especially given the amount of microbreweries that are out there in the UK. Um,
1: I don't know whether, it, whether it's as prominent, Bob. So I know, I remember like probably three to four years ago, there was that massive untapped phase. Mm-hmm. When certain bars would use Untapped as a way of judging a brewery, who they would buy it or not. I think that's still a thing. Is it still a thing? Yep. And that pisses me off because I despise Untapped. It's a cancer in the industry. Appreciate. Um, it, <laughs> yeah, it's it's an issue because it's such a divisive medium. Like my favorite, my favorite ever Untapped is the the late Great Mad Hatter Brewery.
0: Oh, do you know, uh, I was going to mention them earlier. You know, yeah, I loved mad yeah
1: and their, and their infamous infamous tatsiki sour which is now brewed by orbit down in london um because it was paul uh, who was the brewer for orbit that was his original recipe so oh, he yeah. was able to take it back and he's, he's continued the legacy of that beer it does still exist out there in the wild um but someone untapped that as a 0.5 star and the description was i don't like cucumber or sour like then then what what why why would you drink the beer? I know I was I was going to use the
0: same, not the same beer, but the same reference. But it's like, and I always joke on this podcast so it's like, yeah, um, or don't like foul with me.
1: It's like, oh, well, don't drink a sour. What what are you doing? Yeah, you know, exactly. um, but yeah, the, the 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 struggle with getting new new custom can be. It can be, there's, there's obviously the regionalized thing where obviously every bar will try and support their, support their local breweries. So, you know, obviously in Liverpool, we've got a really strong local following. Um, but, you know, if I went down to Kent, there'd be a really strong local following down So Trying to break into that is very difficult. Mm. Uh, and then you've got the standard thing of all the big boys going in and throwing as much free money around as they can to get as many lines as they possibly can, bringing up goddamn smart spend systems. Which again, another capture on the industry. Um, well, it's 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 just difficult trying to sort of do things on a small scale without without having the personal touch. Mm. Like I can't obviously go down to Kent and go to these venues and visit them on a regular basis to sell the them directly. And I'm sure that you know that there's only so many blank phone calls and blank emails that you look at before you stop, before you give up and be like. Yep. I can't be bothered reading these because I'm getting 20,000 emails from 25,000 different breweries. So it's a difficult one just trying to penetrate through and having something that is distinctive enough and something that stands out enough. Um, Or, you know, in some cases, having a salesperson who is that damn good because there are a number number of salespeople out there who I know who are absolutely incredible at their job. And so they just get it and they know how to do it. So it's having that level of distinction to make you stand out and make people go, oh, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll give that a try. You know, or worst case scenario, just just follow Pilot and just get a really funny Twitter account. Yeah, I'll bet they
0: are brilliant, you know, it has to be said. Yeah. I mean, having, having a good salesperson and having those skills is, it, it, you know, it is a, it is a skill. Mm-hmm. I remember when, um, again, at Sheffield Brewery where, um, because I was, I was doing more or less everything, there you know and i had to brush upon so much all at once it was such a steep learning curve but i discovered this guy called brian tracy who wrote a book called the psychology of sales Mm. and it's very very american um you know like the first chapter is all about you know you stand in the mirror and you look at yourself and like i'm the best it's like (laughs) And I listed on audiobooks. So he's he's narrating this in America. So I'm like, what the hell is this? You know, but it's like, you know, you see, I'm the best, I'm the best salesman ever, and so on. But there was so much in his book that actually worked, you know. And I found that like following a lot of the stuff like he talked about, I was like, actually, I'm selling more beer doing this, you know, um, without some of the sleazy American stuff. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it it is it is a real challenge. There is so much beer out there. Yeah, at the moment for microbrewers, and and it's it, it, to make yourself stand out and and have a point of differentiation for somebody else to remotely give a shit about what you're doing is is so hard it's like i, I know i've been to other cities and it's like it's fine when you're in your you know Coming back to the Sheffield brewery company when you're in Sheffield, say, Well, you know, all lobbyists are named after Sheffield based things. Oh, great, I'll take three cats going to Leeds or Nottingham. It's like, oh, I don't yeah. care, do I? <laughs> I hate Sheffield. <laughs>
1: yeah, so yeah, so it's just, it, it is just finding that balance of, as you say, it, it's essentially it, it's forcing somebody to give a shit about you. Yeah, it's making, it's giving them a reason to go, I'm going to spend time with this company with this individual, you know, because you know, if you're, if you're drinking a beer, it could be anywhere between sort of 10 minutes to half an hour, depending on the beer that you're doing. And that's, it's, it's a lot, it's a long period of someone's life, but you know, it's, I think that, that quotes about if it's half an hour, that's 2% of somebody's day mm. And for them to invest, you know, what could potentially be anywhere from, again, from five pound to 10 to 15 pounds for a can of beer to invest that in you. It takes a lot of effort for, from somebody, um, so having the ability to, to to crack into somebody and do that is massively important. So it's, it's just finding that that point of why people would want to drink your beer and hammering that home um, really. And you know, it sounds bad, but it is just a case of hammering shit home and just going at it and banging your head against a brick wall on a, on a repeat basis, and, and eventually <laughs> you crack a brick or two.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So let, let's end on a more positive note then. So you, well, you say you're celebrating your sixth birthday. So ha- yes. I was going to say happy birthday or happy birthday. Yeah. Um, so what, what are you do to celebrate six years?
1: Um, six, uh, we've got uh, a few big beers. Uh, we've got um, the Red Velvet Cake Edition of our birthday ice cream pale ale. We've got uh, our sixth birthday IPA. So it's just a big Mosaic Citra Eldorado IPA, standard, standard bearing stuff. Uh, we've got um, we've just done a collab with Brew York, which we're releasing as a pre-birthday beer. Which I mean, they
0: do have the best beer names ever, don't they? Like the best yeah. beer puns ever.
1: They absolutely do. Uh, they're fantastic. Uh, unfortunately, we the, the name that we had for them, we've been unable to use for this particular beer, sadly. Um, so that's just a four point eight percent pale ale with uh, new uh, netron hops, which are. Gorgeous, like loads of sort of like dank old Cinco, but then loads of pineapple at the same time. Uh, really so you have heard great.
0: good things about Nextron but I've, I've not I've not used it yet myself.
1: Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Um, then we've also got a, a new five point nine percent coconut stout. We've got which is going to be called a complicated profession because again it's a, a fitting name for this uh, the uh, time. We've done a collab with um, a, a little of, again, another little group of called Tom's Tap from Crew.
0: Oh yeah, which thanks.
1: is done by so my Sean who used to own Pink and Porter. Um, yeah, I know, I know. I was literally drinking with um, with Sean on uh, on Monday. He had a little trade day going down down, down there. Um, so yeah, we've done one of them, which is a Imperial Vanilla Custard Stout, um, and then the final beer we've got is oh we've got the a Pink Lemonade Sour as well. Um, so we've done all those, and then we are just going to be travelling across. And I'm very happy because it's the first time we're going to be visiting all four corners of the aisles this year.
0: So whereabouts are you going and who are you going to?
1: So we've got on the 5th of, 5th of November, we're having a, a party in the taproom. So we've got a local pizza company called Pizza cake coming down, doing fresh pizzas for us. We're having two sessions. Ben's going to be running a lovely big pub quiz. We're going to have a game of Brucey's playing your card rights with untapped scores, nice. <laughs> 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 which is going to be absolutely hilarious. Um, and then we've got.
0: <laughs> Sorry, that's, yeah, that's <laughs>
1: um, And we've got uh, on the tenth of November. I'm going to be going down to London, where I'm doing t- uh, take over with Cloudwater on Ely Street. And then on the eleventh, I'm going to be taking over and doing a collab with Old Street Brewery in London. Um, the same weekend, Ben's going over to Northern Ireland, and he's doing a collab to take over with uh, Bullhouse House Brewery. Oh, nice. Yep following week, on the Thursday, the 17th, I'm going to be doing a takeover with Fierce Bar in Edinburgh. Super. Uh, On Saturday, the 19th, Ben is doing a tap takeover with Fierce Bar in Manchester. And that same Saturday, I'm also doing an event with a bar called The Straight and Narrow in Lincoln. And then the final weekend, on the Thursday, we're doing takeovers in the Baltic Fleet in Liverpool. And the Crew Dog in crew of all places. And on the Friday, I'm doing a a takeover with uh, Black Cloak in Colwyn Bay.
0: (laughs) Crew Dog. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Yeah. happy days in Colwyn Bay. I used to go to Wales on holiday every year Mm -hmm. for like years on end. Yeah, Colwyn Bay, Anglesey, Land of all the rest of it. all Amazing. Kind
1: of well, all that. Uh, obviously, if anybody wants to get information about those, you can just go onto our website, topper brewing.com. There's a full page with all the list of where we're going to be doing all that kind of stuff as well. Um, and of course, follow it on social media. I'll be posting loads of crap out there, um, try and hype it up a bit. Um, but as I said before, it's just an excuse for me to go around drinking the bars that I would never normally drink in um, and get to meet loads of interesting people and just talk a load of bollocks about wrestling and beer.
0: Sounds good. Sounds good. So, um... Normally we end the show with um, this question, and the, with the state of things at the moment, um, may, maybe we're not ending on the high note. But it's it's good to be realistic and sure. everything. So, where do you see the brewing industry heading over the next twelve to eighteen months?
1: Um, I think. I mean, unfortunately, in these situations, my pessimistic side does come out. Um, I think we are going to see a lot more bad news than good. I think we are going to see more doors being closed than doors being opened, unfortunately. Um, I know, I, honestly, if, if someone came to me tomorrow and said, what would you think about me starting a brewery? I'd say, put it on ice for two years. Don't yeah. don't try anything at the moment. Um, unless you've got, you know, the backing of an almost limited piggy bank to do things with, it's, I don't think it's worth it. I think it's going to be difficult it's going to be very very difficult very very challenging um it's going to be if not doors closing, at least i would imagine some sort of downsizing taking place because there's you know as much as the brewing industry is going to be buggered the bar industry is also going to be buggered and the as you say the the, the c stuff as well and the web shop sales i imagine they'll start to, to, to go down a bit as well so it's it's going to be very very challenging um for everybody involved Everybody who sticks it out, everyone who makes it through, absolutely fantastic. Everyone who struggles and doesn't make it through, i sorry, but it's just the way things are going to go. Um, but obviously we are happy to do everything we can to help support people um, in any way, shape, or form. So if anybody you know is is struggling now or thinks going to be struggling in the future, obviously please feel free to reach out to Top Road, reach out to myself, reach out to Ben. You know, we're happy to try and do everything we can to help you guys to make sure that everyone gets through this as best as we possibly can. Because it's it's you know it's not going to be a fun fun few months. Um, but you know, we've all been through worse. We've yeah. all been at some point in time. Um, so yeah, it's uh, there's, uh, you know, I don't really know what else to say other than that. Really, I mean, if anybody else can find positives in this, please. Send me as many positives as you can find because i'll I'll happily write down a put on a bloody notice board in the office so I can start them every day um any positives i can find i'll I'll take um but yeah, it's gonna be a very interesting twelve to eighteen months with everything else taking place really
0: yeah well, thanks for being on the show, Neil and um you know, I wish you all the best of success both with your birthday and in, into the few, many more birthdays to come. Yeah. Um, I know not that I've had many of your beers before, but I know from the ones that I did have that I got from beer X because SSV ran out of beers and I think it turned to you guys <laughs> yes, um, to get some beers. I remember being on the train home, being very absolutely jaded from two days of heavy drinking, having a double, I think it was double IPA and cracking That's it right. open. That was, and
1: the, that was the bang bang. It was a, double IPA uh, of the McPhobie series that
0: we did. Right. I remember opening it being like, this is a really nice beer. Even though it's like 8.5% of whatever crazy ABV it was at the time, you know, I was like, this is the beer I need right now. So okay. yeah, thank you. Um, how, how can people get hold of your beers?
1: Um, at the moment, our webshop is down to tooling. Um, unfortunately, it won't be back up until the new year. Um, so we don't have any, uh, any direct to customer stuff at the moment. But if there's any trade people who are interested, um, you can email me just at neil at topbrokebrewing.com. Uh, keep it nice and simple. Um, if any trade people use um, Seller, we've got a platform on Seller, so you can buy the beers directly off us off there. There's ebeer as well. Um, or just contact us on social media at Top Broke Brewing on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, and yeah, just send me a message. I'm one of those guys that you know, says I'll shut off, but then if someone sends me an email at half nine trying to buy beer, I'll reply to an email at half nine selling beer. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, I, just can't, I just can't quite sure after six years doing it. So, um, yeah, I try to make things as easy as possible. There's literally a myriad of ways you can get a hold of us and, and buy beer off us. But, yeah, just shout at me um, on any platform you can find and I'll I'll you some beer. Happy days. Brilliant. Thank you. No worries
0: Well, it's that time again at the bar for another week of the Hot Four podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify and all other good platforms. Be sure to visit hotforward.beer to find out how we can help you get ahead in the brewing and beer business. Remember to follow us on social media at Hot Forward Beers and for another week. Cheers.